Hey Coastal, my name is Gene Cornett. I am the lead campus pastor here at Bethany Place in Richmond. For more than a year, I've been praying and seeking God about his direction for us here at Bethany Place relative to a relationship with Coastal. And I'm encouraged about several aspects of that. I've been moved by the joy and the humility I sense in your leaders. I'm hopeful about the intentional training for our leaders. I'm encouraged by the clear and direct paths I see for volunteer engagement for our members here. I'm excited to be a part of a clear strategy to connect, grow, serve, and multiply. And I'm encouraged about just relational partners for us here at Bethany Place. So for all of these reasons, we're excited about the future and we look forward to partnering with you for the sake of the gospel here in Richmond. Well, good morning, everyone. It's always a pleasure and a privilege and an honor to be here. I want to thank uh, Pastor Andrew. He's always so gracious to uh, invite us to come and share and uh, the blessing that he and his wife, uh, Anna, and their family are to our family. And you guys are always so gracious and so welcoming. We love coming here. But uh, anyway, after all those uh, sentiments, we're going to be looking at Psalm 119, verses 9 through 32. And the title of this morning's message is Daily Steps for Sanctification, Psalm 119 verses 9 through 32. Before we go any further, I uh, like to have a word of prayer. Father, uh, so grateful to have the opportunity to share your word. Um, you said that your word is alive and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It goes into our soul, our spirit, and it divides the joint and the marrow, and it discerns both the thoughts and intents of our hearts, Lord. And so we are grateful for your word this morning. And with that, we ask that your word would have free course, that you would minister to us in a personal way, that our lives might be instructed, encouraged, empowered, but also, Lord, conformed into the image of your dear son. Lord, please remove distractions that we might not miss anything that you would want to say to us in a personal way, Lord. And I ask that you would help me to speak with clarity, with accuracy, the things that are contained in your word, and that Christ might be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. I was browsing in my uh, Bible app, and uh, I, it dawned on me that I have in my phone uh, access to 72 different translations of the Bible. Just in my iPhone, 72 different translations of the Bibles. That's not to say the amount of Bibles that I have in my house, because I have some Bibles in Spanish too, because I can speak, read, write, and read Spanish by the grace of God. And so I was thinking about this whole idea, because this psalm deals with a love for the Word of God, of how accessible 
the word of God is to us here in America. And then I started thinking about uh, the amount of people that I counsel and the amount of people that I mentor uh, throughout the week. And oftentimes in either my mentoring sessions or my counseling sessions, I would ask people, well, uh, how's your Bible reading? Well, I really didn't get a chance to read this week. Or I read a couple of verses and I am often struck with uh, this sense of how uh, little emphasis we give to the Word of God in our lives. And as someone who a volume reads the Word of God every day and has for years, when I hear that, uh, it does something to me. And so I thought about men like uh, Martin Luther, who was kidnapped because he was uh, trying to translate the uh, Bible from Latin to German, and he was excommunicated from the Catholic Church as a result. And uh, once he was in front of some magistrates and some lords and some very important people in Germany, and he was asked to recant the Bible. He was asked to recant some of his writings, and here's what he said, and I quote, Since your majesty and your lordships desire a simple reply, I will answer without horns and without teeth. Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor nor safe. Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise, God help me, amen, end quote. Tradition tells us that Martin Luther on another occasion was asked if he would give up, he would rather give up his head or give up the Bible, and he said, I would give up my head. Then I think about men like William Tyndale who labored all of his life to translate the Bible from the Aramaic and the Greek into English, and he died before he can finish the Old Testament. And this man, he was actually strangled to death and then burned at the stake. And so it's with that in mind that I approached this sermon, and I want us, I want, I said that to encourage us and inspire us uh, to the magnitude of what is being said here in the Psalms and how he loves the Word of God and the reverence and the respect and the awe with which he approaches this precious psalm. And so today we'll be covering the next three sections of Psalm 119. And as Pastor Segree mentioned last week, each section refers to a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it was designed to help us memorize and internalize it. Now, one of the things I like about 
the Bible is how eclectic it is. It is not only written in different time periods, but it is also written by different authors. It brings a wide variety of different authors that are, were inspired by the Holy Spirit. You have books that were written by farmers. You have books that were written by a shepherd. You have books that were written by doctors or scholars or prophets, carpenters, tax collectors. Our God is so good at relating to us that he chooses people from all walks of life to bring us his word. So what I'd like to do this morning, instead of going through a verse-by-verse -verse exposition of all 24 verses that will take us a very long time, I, uh, what I'd like to do is highlight selected verses, and I want to look at some of the patterns and themes that are covered in these three sections of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, before we get started, let me just say this, that Although these verses provide some very practical steps for growth in our faith or growth in sanctification or growth in holiness, as Pastor Sean would put it, these steps can also be looked at some very important instructions from the Lord to us. Having said us, let's begin our reading there in verse number 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I will seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And this brings us to point number one. We must have purposeful purity if we are to grow in our sanctification. And I'd also like to mention A, because in order to do that, we must believe that the Word of God has power to help us live a life of purity. Paying attention to the Word of God keeps us walking in purity. Oh, I have to ask you at this juncture, are you paying attention to the Word of God? Now, there are, a, there are about five methods of Scripture intake, and I hope the uh, illustration is on the screen at this time. Um, one of those methods is hearing the Word of God. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Another one is reading the Word of God. Jesus would often ask the Pharisees, have you not read? And so we hear the Word of God, we read the Word of God, and another method of Bible intake is studying the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul writing to his young protege, Timothy says, study to show yourself approved, a workman that does not need to be ashamed of rightfully dividing the word of truth. And then there is 
memorizing the Word of God. If you look at Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4, when the Bible gives us the narratives about Jesus being tempted in the desert by Satan, you will discover that Jesus replied to every temptation by it is written. It is obvious that our Lord had the word memorized. And when the apostle preached, they also quoted from verses that they had memorized. And so we have all these different methods. And then we also have the meditation of God's word. The Bible tells us to meditate on the word day and night. And uh, let me talk a little bit about what meditation is because we live in a culture where people think that meditation is just clearing your mind. When we meditate upon the Word of God, what we want to do is uh, zero in on a verse or a particular set of scriptures or a particular narrative from the scriptures and pray about it in our hearts and mow it over in our heart and and ask God to give us insight and we have that scripture in our heart throughout the whole day we are meditating on that bird almost like the cow chews the cud and he brings it up and down and up and down and so that's the way we do with the word of God so we have all these various methods with which we can interact with the Word of God. So my encouragement to us, it's best if we avail ourselves of all of these methods of interacting with the Word of God. Now, all of these methods of intake promote our sanctification. And I love what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 about sanctification. He says, now may the God of peace sanctify you completely, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture of being co-laborers with Christ. The psalm says, how can we keep our way pure by taking heed according to the word and to hide the word in our heart and here Paul prays that God would sanctify us. We purpose in our hearts that we are going to be sanctified, and God helps us to be sanctified. We are co-laborers with Christ in this sanctification process. As we continue to read in verse number 12, we will notice some things. In verse 12 it says, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I will declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your words. Now, I want you to notice some things about this passage we just read. In verse 12, he, he writes, Blessed are you, O Lord. In verse 13, he says, My lips will declare. 
In verse 16, he says, I delight in your statutes. These are all expressions of praise and confidence in God and in his word. And here's the point I would like to make. Victory over sin always evokes praise in our hearts. And when we direct our attentions and affections toward praising him, there is a power. When we direct our attentions and our affections toward praising him, there will be uh, joy. When we direct our attention and our affections toward praising him, there will be a sense of nearness in our hearts for the Lord. When we direct our attentions and affections toward praising him, our perspectives will be made right. Because everything else pales in comparison to who God is and how majestic and how glorious and how powerful and how holy and how just and how eternal and how magnificent he is. Everything else pales in comparison. And so when we praise God and we are confident in God and we make these declarations and we are assured in his word, it evokes this kind of spontaneous praise in our heart. So when we experience God's sanctifying grace, it results in joy. When we experience God's sanctifying grace, it results in praise. And joy and praise affect our passions, which brings us to our next step for sanctification. Number two, purposeful passions. Now, take a look at what it says in verse number 17. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I might live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Again, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Let me highlight some of the things that he says here in this section. In verse 17, he says, deal bountifully with me. Uh, the word bountifully there is the Hebrew word gamal, and it says, uh, treat me well, reward me, benefit me. Anybody ever uh, ask God, treat me well, bless me, reward me? Listen, I, I pray the prayer of Jabez every day. 
Every day I said, Lord, make my house like the house of Obed-Edom when the ark was there. Let everything in my house be blessed. Let my pipes never burst. Let my electric system never go bad. Let me never have to call the AC man. And Dominion keeps sending me these letters to sign up to this stuff that saying that the pipes outside of my house don't belong to them that belong to me. That God rebuked the devil in the name of Jesus. You're not getting my $12.95 a year. God's going to keep my pipes from bursting. So, but it's similar to what he's praying there. He says, deal bountifully. He wants to feel the joy and the blessedness of feeling favored by God. And not in a very unhealthy uh, and in a uh, prosperity gospel kind of way, but in a very intimate way where he senses that God is close to him and that he's walking with God and he's enamored with his word and as a result he's near to God and God has dealt bountifully with him and in verse 18 he says I want to behold wondrous things out of your law I want to be in a wonder in awe of your word as you give me insights, as your word ministers to me, as your word shapes me, as your word guides me, I want to be in awe and in wonder of your word. And in verse 20, he says, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules. I long for your word. Uh, this passage reminds me of Job. Job said, I esteem your words more than my necessary food. How many of you would say that? It says, I'd rather have my Bible rather than a cheeseburger. I'd rather have my Bible rather than lasagna. I'd rather have a Bible rather than a well-done porterhouse steak. Oh, Pastor Tito, don't mess with my meat. But I want to encourage us that when we grab our Bibles in the morning, say, Lord, help me to esteem your words more than my necessary food. Help me to love your word. Help me to prioritize your word. Help me to put your word first in my life. He says, I have a longing for your word. I desire your word. I'm passionate about your word. I have a craving for your word. I have a burning for your word. I'm hungry for your word. I thirst for your word. I want the zeal for your word and have an urge and a need for your word. There is a passion expressed here for the word of God. Oh, that God would grant us passion for his word. Then in verse 22, he says, take away scorn and contempt. In other words, uh, the word scorn and contempt says, roll away the heavy emotional burden. 
Take away the things that are going to distract me from the sweetness of fellowship with you and knowing your word. No doubt at all times, all of us at one point or another have experienced emotional burdens and stress. But I love the fact that he prays for God to remove this from him. He wants to be free from any emotional encumbrances because he's dedicated to the word of God. He doesn't want to be distracted by anything that would keep him away from the word of God. And in verse 22, he says, your testimonies are my delight. When I think about the word delight, obviously I think about my wife. But then I think about chocolate ice cream. And you are my chocolate ice cream. I, I delight. I, I, I listen at a moment of truth and pray for me. I do not have any self-control. I cannot bring a half a gallon of Breyer's ice cream into my house because the next day I will weigh an extra five pounds and it will be gone. No self-control whatsoever. Yes, I sin greatly because I delight in chocolate ice cream, chocolate cookies, chocolate muffins, all things chocolate are a delight to me. And here he says your testimonies are my delight. This is a great verse because it lets us know that he delights in the word of God. He takes pleasure in the word of God. He is thrilled about the word of God. He is charmed by the word of God. He is enchanted by the word of God. He is gladdened by the word of God. He is amused by the word of God. He is thrilled by the word of God. It is obvious that the writer has his affections turn toward the word. This reminds me of something that David said in Psalm chapter 40, verse 8. He says, I delight to do your will, O my God, your law is written in my heart. Uh, this portion of the Psalms provides us with some real, raw, and vulnerable expressions of emotion. And I want you to notice the language that it is charged with emotion and with passions, which brings us to letter A, to seek to have your affections conform and directed toward the Word. God is calling us to fall in love with His Word. But we also have to have our passions 
our affections, our attitudes molded and shaped by his word. And this is not easy given that there is this war between the spirit and the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 and 17 records these words. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires that which is against the spirit and the spirit desires that which is against the flesh so that you do not do what you want to do. And as we, I don't know if you've noticed that and the more you pursue God and the, the more you press into the things of God and the more you lean into God, the more your flesh is having a conniption. And the more your flesh is pulling you this way, it's almost like there's a tug of war going on on your heart or a church split going on in your heart. Therefore, we must put to death. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says, Put to death, therefore, that which is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. The word uh, passion there is the Greek word pathos, and it speaks of, as the King, old King James puts it, inordinate affections, or affections that are contrary to God's word. And one of the things that we must do is to constantly examine ourselves and constantly look at what our affections are telling us and where, where our affections are directed. And I know that you guys know this by now. I ask a lot of rhetorical questions or how are your affections today? Uh, where is the thermometer of your heart? Where is the compass of your heart leading you today? Paul in Colossians 3.5 encourages us to kill our inordinate affections. He encourages us to kill our sinful passions and desires. We do this not by our own strength, we do this not by willpower. The Bible says it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We do this by the power of the spirit, by leaning into the spirit, by depending on the spirit with God's strength. We do it by depending on the Lord. And actually, he continues this theme in the next section where in verse 25, he says, My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. He realized that his soul, his affections cling to the dust. His heart clings to that which is earthly. His sinful heart is attached to the world. So he prays, give me life. Revive me. 
And when we pray and ask God to revive us, he does. Because the Bible says that this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we have any, ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. And if he hears us, we have those things that we desire of him. So we must ask, we must have our affections conformed. We must ask God to direct our passions toward him. We must seek God and ask him to create in us a clean heart, to change our heart, to change our desires. Lord, direct my heart toward you and your word. I love Paul's prayer in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. He says, now may the Lord direct your hearts toward the love of God and the patience of Christ Jesus. It is only by a divine, sovereign move of God's Spirit in our hearts that we can begin to love God and delight in Him. For 1 John 4, 19 says that we love Him because He first loved us. Romans 5 tells us that the love of God is shed abroad upon our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given, which is why the gospel of Jesus Christ is so important in our lives, which is why it's so important that we recognize that we are sinners from birth, that it is only through the merits of Christ that we can be saved, that we are by nature children of wrath, that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because listen, God's standard is not that we are good. God's standard is that we are perfect. And therefore, God in his love sent his son Jesus who lived a perfect life according to the law. He was 100% God, 100% man, and he was crucified for our stead, buried and placed in a tomb, and on the third day rose again from the dead to give us the hope of eternal life and to prove to us that he was in fact God. And now merely all we have to do is repent of our sins and believe the substitutionary death on the cross and, and receive Christ into our lives. And the Bible says that we are saved. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have God living inside of us. He has shed his love abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given. Listen, the gospel is not only the means of our salvation. The gospel is the means of our transformation. The gospel is transformative, which brings us to our third and final point. This is the third step unto sanctification, purposeful dependence. And letter A, we are to learn to rely on God. Listen to what it says there in verse number 26. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. And I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. 
Strengthen me according to your word. Put away far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. The language used here lets us know that the person writing this is seeking to depend on God. This is a person who is purposely devoted to God's law, and he lets us know how holy and how perfect God is. So the writer admits that he's depending on God. He admits that he is leaning into God. He purposely works like everything depends on him but he purposely prays like everything depends on God. It is both beautiful and humbling when we realize that we can't do this without God. It is powerful and life-giving when we learn to depend on God. I'd like to make this point by a quote from Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray once wrote, and I quote, Humility is the place of entire dependence upon God. It is the first duty and the highest virtue of the creature. It is the root of every virtue. And so pride, or the loss of humility, is the root of every sin and evil. End quote. Folks, as Paul put it in Mars Hill, it is in him that we live and move and have our being. As Jesus said in John 15, 5, separated from him, we can do nothing. And so I'd like to end our time together by uh, by actually highlighting this point with two verses from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, where Paul writes to the Philippian church and says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Thank God that even though God calls us to work it out, he puts the desire in our heart and gives us the power to carry it out. As I call the worship team up to come, I I want you to reflect on this as we close this message today. Are you purposeful in your pursuit of purity? Are you purposeful about your passions and having them conformed and transformed? And are you purposefully depending on the Lord to do this every day of your life? 
And more than anything, if you are here today and you have not trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to come up. You don't have to make a big spectacle. God is here in our midst. And so all you have to do right there is pray, say, Lord, I repent of my sins. I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ that you raised him from the dead. Forgive me. I receive Christ and I confess Jesus as Lord. And if you pray that prayer and you are here in this room, I'm just going to ask you to do one thing. Come up to Pastor Segree or one of the leaders. There'll be some people to pray with you as the worship team is praying today about these things. Let one of them know, I trust that Christ is my Savior today. Will you stand with me as we uh, end in a time of worship and prayer and the prayer team, if you would come and come up front. I know how you guys do it here, Pastor Segree. You guys go under the screens. You guys come to the front. And if any of you need prayer for any reason, and maybe you were sitting there and something just, God just spoke to you in a personal way, or you are going through something, I just ask you not to leave this place without having someone agree with you in prayer. The scripture says this, that if two of you would agree concerning anything down here on earth, it'll be done by your Father in heaven. And trust that God hears and answers prayer and that he cares about you and wants to minister to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, bless this house. Make this house like the house of Obed-Edom when the ark was there. Let everything in it, including every person in it, be blessed, Lord. Lord, be glorified in our midst. Help us to love, internalize, and apply your word. Make us walking billboards for the gospel. In Jesus Christ, amen.